There's a lot of podcasts out there, but this one, you never know what to expect. It's always fun. Feel all the emotions with your host, Mercedes Rich, and every surprise guest. Now it's time. And the artist is Laura Story. What's your story and testimony and how has God led you into like the music, author, worship leader path that you're on now? I grew up in the church and I think I, you know, it's hard to say when I became a Christian because I can't remember a day not hearing the truth of the gospel. But I do remember a time around when I was 10 years old and, you know, that's a pretty young age. But I do remember hearing the gospel presented. It was a Sunday evening service at our church. And I remember hearing the gospel gospel presented in a way that it really clicked for me that time. And and it was hearing about the holiness of God and the perfection of heaven, and then uh, reflecting on my own merit. <laughs> and like I, I knew, even as a 10-year-old, I knew, golly, you know, I lie, I cheat, I, <laughs> there's no reason in the world that God should let me into a heaven that perfect. And there's no reason in the world that I should get to, to be called a child of a holy God apart from the work that Jesus did on the cross to, um, to really to purchase that for me. Even as a kid, it was simple enough to understand mm-hmm. that, man, if Jesus was willing to give his life for me, um, not only should I accept that free gift, but I should spend my life telling other people about that. So um, that's kind of how I how I became a Christian. As far as my story, you know, it, it's certainly not a story of, uh, well, I became a Christian and I've lived life perfectly ever since. <laughs> well, no one has that story, so. <laughs> I know, yeah. And everyone has, has bumps in the road. And for us, a lot of that is, is, has involved my husband's health. Mm. And he was um, diagnosed with a brain tumor about, I guess it's been about 15 years now since that happened. And it's been a big part of our lives since he lives now with, with a brain injury. But it's also been a big part of my ministry. Mm. And God has somehow kind of weaved that into most of the songs that I write and the books that I write. And that's been even a, a neat thing to see. Uh, not only is God using the hard things we've gone through and really doing good things through them, but He also is He's using the things that I'm that I'm currently going through. It's not because our story hasn't been one where my husband had a health issue and now he's fine. And yeah, because we trusted God. Our story's been more. Um, Martin had a health issue, and it resulted in a lifelong disability. Mm. And so we've had to learn, you know, how do you trust that God's plan is good even when the trial is more of a chronic trial, Mm. even when it's a long-term trial, seeing God's faithfulness isn't always seeing God make the problem go away. Sometimes it's experiencing his goodness as he's sustaining us in the midst of an ongoing trial. Mm. Would you say maybe taking that childlike faith that we have as as children, would you say that's kind of played a role into all of that as you've gotten older and as you've had to deal with certain things like that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I love even just you're referring to it as childlike faith because we, you know, sometimes as adults, we, (laughs) we get, you know, to, to these harder problems in life, um, mm. and because we're older and wiser and know a whole lot about the Bible, you know, we come up with our own solutions, mm-hmm. where Try God says, it. hey, yeah, you can't control this, you can't fix this, and what I really need you to do is just to trust me. Mm. You know, I had someone say to me years ago, I think it was Lisa Turkhurst, uh, she was talking about, uh, she, we were, to, I don't remember what it was. We were together at a women of faith conference mm. back when, I don't even know if they still have those, but <laughs> I was playing music. She was speaking 
and she was looking at, you know, this arena full of, you know, however, however many thousand women. And she said, she said, yeah, usually um, we're all pretty good at being women of faith. You know, we, ha- we attend the Bible studies. We have the verses, you know, crocheted on, <laughs> needle pointed on our pillows or whatever it is, painted on our, uh, calligraphied on our dressed wood panels hanging up in our house. We have all that. She said, and we're great at being women of faith right up until the point that God calls us to step out in mm-hmm. faith. And she, the point she's making is like, we're, yeah, we're good at believing the truths of God when we understand the way he's working in our lives. Yeah. Or when, 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 we under, when we can see kind of a clear blueprint of where he's leading us, it's right up until we actually need to trust that he's good when our lives don't feel good. Mm. That's when often we're kind of like throwing our hands in the air saying, God, what are you doing? And he's saying, I'm calling to trust me. This is what faith is. Yeah, and I think it I think it requires sometimes us having to make a decision to do that. I think a lot of the times it does that, but it requires us having to say, okay, God's placed this in our lives. How are we going to react to it? How are we yes. going to react to it and live in a way that is honoring to Him? Absolutely. That, that's so true. It, it really comes down to, like, do we believe that He's God mm. or do we not? Do we believe that he's good or do we not? Because when we're willing to follow him just when we agree with where he's leading, like who does that make God? It makes us God. The truth is is being willing to say, uh, someone a long time ago said to me, you can't ever say no Lord. He's either Lord or he's not. He's either that sovereign power of your life and you either trust him or you don't. Well, a lot of times we ourselves want to have that trust and want to have that control because we feel like we have even just an ounce of control and we don't, even when we think we do. <laughs> Isn't that so true? It's so yeah, we, true. We control that we're not realizing is just a myth anyway. Mm. It's just a myth. Uh, yeah, as if control can bring stability. When, when God says, you know, I actually gave my very son so that you can have stability mm. in the midst of changing circumstances. Uh, you think about what the Bible says about who Jesus is. It talks about how Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our freedom. It's like one of my favorite examples in the scriptures is the Apostle Paul, because he writes Philippians, uh, this whole letter to the Church of Philippi about you know, rejoice in the Lord always, living this life um, at peace. And when you think about the fact that he's writing it from a jail cell, you, you kind of lean in a little bit more just to hear what this guy has to say, because he's not writing about joy and peace, you know, sitting on a nice sandy beach somewhere. <laughs> he's actually, he's sitting in a jail cell, having everything temporal taken away from him, hmm. but somehow still having everything he believes he needs for life and joy and yeah. peace, all just from having the person of Jesus in his heart. Yeah. And that's the kind of peace and joy I want to know. Absolutely. That perspective is the right one to have, because if we have a perspective that is just like negative all of the time, then it's not going to be a perspective that we can welcome God into that. Absolutely. And it also, it makes it so where your circumstances no longer have the power. Mm. They don't have the power to decide how I feel on a certain day. My emo- when I can figure out a way to have my emotions grounded in the person of Christ as well, then you can, it's more, you can experience a steadiness um, that isn't dependent 
on whether things go the way that you want in a meeting at work or whether your child gets the grade that you that you wanted to get on a test because uh, your value isn't found in those kind of things anymore. Mm, yeah, not finding our identity in the things that happen or what we do. It's it's finding our identity truly in who God is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's so important. So what are you working on now? I know you've kind of done a lot of different things, gotten your irons in the fire in multiple different places. So what would you say your kind of main career goal is right now? Oh, that's great. Well, I'm writing. I'm, I'm, there's a couple of different writing groups that I'm part of. And so that's one of my favorite things in the world to do. You know, it's just as a songwriter, mostly writing songs for the local church. Yeah. And uh, also thinking about... I am at the very beginning stages of writing a book on worship. Uh, I just haven't actually started it yet. Mm-hmm. I, so I did my dissertation a few years back mm. um, on on worship, specifically on the topic of reverence in worship. I'm trying to carve the time out there to sit down and, and put it in a little bit more book form. So hopefully that'll be the next project that I come out with. Yeah, that's awesome. The English nerd in me is like freaking out because I, part of my undergrad was in communication. So I love writing. (laughs) Oh, very fun. That's awesome. Yeah. So like, I love hearing about how people have written and kind of what they're writing about. So I think that they're, there's, it's so interesting to find out exactly what, you know, different perspectives are when it comes from different writers. So I love that you're writing on the reverence of worship. I think that's really interesting. Well, thanks. Hopefully it'll be good. We'll see. (laughs) Well, I mean, if it's God's will, then it will be good. So, Absolutely. (laughs) So Hello Unknown is the last song that you wrote. You wrote that in the middle of the pandemic, didn't you? I did, yes. And I wrote it along with a book called Hello Unknown. Okay. And it real it was it was just kind of a fun book and song to to write that that kind of I'm sorry the book was actually called So Long Normal now mm-hmm. I'm thinking back to it and the song was called Hello Unknown it was a time you know sometimes you're going through something in life and you're hoping other people can relate for me when I was writing that it's right smack dab during this pandemic and quarantine it was probably the only time like in the history of the world that everyone was going through the exact same thing uh-huh. you know and it looked different for different people. But I feel like we kind of looked at, like everything from our calendar had been wiped off. <laughs> everything we had planned for, you know, for months and months all of a sudden was disappearing. And we were looking at this blank canvas. And, you know, if we're honest, that can be really terrifying. Yeah. But it can also be really exciting. And so what I began, I started off really anxious about it. And that's kind of the, the book itself. It really was just the truth that I was trying to cling to in the midst of such kind of a shaky time in my life and in, in time in our nation. But I began to, um, I became more and more to reflect on how so often the scriptures you see God doing incredible works and inviting his people on these faith adventures that all begin with him leading us away from that which is familiar and that which is comfortable. So rather than being anxious, I said, okay, God, I'm going to choose to believe that you never bring about unprecedented change without an unprecedented purpose in mind. Mm, that's good. And the truth is, is rather than just asking God, like, why are you allowing this to be so hard? It's like, okay, because you hear that word unprecedented. You heard it just so many times in 2020. This mm-hmm. is just unprecedented. <laughs> rather than thinking, what is the unprecedented work of God that he desires to see in us and through us during such an unprecedented time? Mm, yeah, absolutely. What would you say? How would you say kind of hello unknown, so long normal? How have those phrases or mantras changed for you since then? Well, I think some of it, I mean, we're we're living in the 
in the result of that because a lot mm-hmm. of those things haven't gotten back to normal. Mm-hmm. Some things have, but other things, uh, one thing that, I mean, I don't know if this is widespread, but one thing that at least we're seeing in our church and our community, um, we saw that post-pandemic mental health is is very much on the rise. Just the awareness of it, people struggling with mental health issues. One thing we're finding, it's not so much that these things are new as much as the pandemic ended up exposing them in a way that they hadn't before, which in a lot of ways is a good thing. And so people are beginning to really ask questions about, you know, self-care, ask questions, you know, meeting with counselors and beginning to um, sort through things that they had always been feeling on a heart level that the the pandemic seemed to kind of bring to the surface a little bit more. So even though that's a hard work, that's also a very good work Mm -hmm. that God is doing. And that would just be one example of, you know, we say so long to normal, but we find something that even though it's hard, it's actually a good thing that God is doing from a hard situation. A lot of isolation came out of that as well afterwards, but I think it also brought to the table, kind of like you were saying, it brought to the table the discussion of loneliness. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, because even pre-pandemic, there was loneliness and there just, it wasn't as there as talked about because you can be somewhere, you can be in the middle of a crowd and be so lonely. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things that I thought was neat is I'll tell you where, where God really did a number on my heart. I've gone to church since I was a kid. And so I didn't realize how much I had taken church for granted. Mm, Okay, the ability to meet with other believers and worship. That's just something that's just always been a kind of a given for me. And during the pandemic, my heart longed, longed to worship with other people. And even um, even singing in and of itself, because there was a time that we were meeting, but we weren't really singing. It made me uh, it made me long for that and to realize that corporate worship is a gift. And like you were saying, you know, there's nothing exposes our need for community mm-hmm. like enforced isolation. Yes. Mandatory isolation. Mm-hmm. And where I think we we kinda knew that we needed each other before it wasn't until we were all alone that we realized, holy cow, I was not created for this. Yeah. And so that was yet yet another thing that we all were able to learn. And, and maybe just, I think community is a little bit sweeter for me now. Yeah. Uh, post, post-pandemic. Definitely. I can speak into that a little bit as well, because I've actually moved twice since the pandemic started. So oh, really? <laughs> in two completely different states as well. And so I was kind of feeling that that isolation and loneliness a little bit more on a level just because I didn't know anybody in the places that I was living. You know, whenever that's amplified, you really do start to appreciate that community and that just being with anybody. It doesn't matter who, just being able to like connect yeah. with someone. Yeah, Absolutely. I totally agree. So important. And then it, it, it even brings into the discussion, you know, what is normal and who wants to be uh-huh. normal? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah. And, and you realize that normal. Yeah. Now, now I think I think we're all able to redefine that a little bit more mm-hmm. for ourselves. When it comes to your music or even your writing for your books, what does your process look like? Do you have a process that's kind of the same all the time or does it change a little bit and vary from time to time? So what does my process look like? Uh, Well, you know, being someone who is on staff at a church, full-time worker and mom and wife, uh, you know, of Martin, all of that, in some ways I have less time to write than a lot of other people. 
but it also, I can't imagine writing apart from all those things and people in my life that really give inspiration. Everything that I write, I feel like, I'm, I feel like I write the same song over and over again. And it's all about how does the reality of life and sometimes the brokenness of life, how does that fit together hmm. with the truths of God, of who he is, of who he desires for us to be? Because I feel like that that's the beauty of music. That's the beauty of music is it's helping people process their own stories. And sometimes God you know, uses aspects of my story kind of infused in, in my songwriting. And because that really is what, what all of it's about. It's things that, that I'm learning and sharing that with others that they might find greater joy and freedom in their own stories. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think that, that that's beautiful to be able to bring your story into others as well. So switching gears a little bit, though, what is the funniest moment that you can think of in your life? You know, I always have a lot of a lot of funny moments. I had, I had one the other night where I, w- I had been introduced. I was backstage and they were like, welcome, Laura's story. And I go to go on stage and someone had left a black, it was dark behind the curtain. I go, I go to come around the cur- curtain and I tripped over a monitor, oh. like a big black monitor wedge. And literally, you just hear them announce me. And then all of a sudden, you just hear me screaming from behind the curtain. Oh. <laughs> so I ended up, I ended up eventually coming out limping oh. and my foot was bleeding. And, oh. they had to, and I did the entire concert with a bag of ice on my foot. That's dedication that was my, right there. <laughs> yes, that was my most recent embarrassing moment. Okay. I don't know if I can think of any others. What's the best piece of advice you've ever got? Don't try to be the mom God's called someone else to be. Mm. Don't try to be the mom that God is calling someone else to be. Try to be the mom that God's called you to be. Mm. And you may end up having to bring the store-bought cookies for the play date instead of, you know, the other mom that, like, thrashes her own wheat in in her garden. (laughs) And your life isn't, you just can't play that keeping up with the Joneses game. Mm. Or or you you will feel defeated all the time. Don't be looking at what everyone everyone else's party looks like on Facebook and Pinterest. (laughs) Because that's just not reality. And and maybe sometimes those people are focusing on the wrong goals. Mm -hmm. And so you, you don't need to you don't need to feel bad about not being able to reach those goals when they may not even be the right goals. Yeah, just being being the per- and bigger than mom, I guess. Just being the person God's called you to be. One of my things that I'm always struggling with is I need to say no more. Mm. And something someone told me the other day is it's really my no's that reinforce my yeses. Mm. Yeah. So the no's give give me the bandwidth to do my yeses well. Yes. So. I've said yes to being a mom, and so saying no to a lot of other things helps me be the mom I need to be. Mm. Yeah, I think that's yeah. so important. You get burnt out if you say yes to too many things, and then you're not the person that you need to be in the the right situations either. Yeah, I'll tell you another, another example, and this is just what God's teaching me right now. I have some friends that have lots of friends. And they probably have six or seven good friends. And God did not wire me that way. Mm-hmm. I probably have two good friends. And I probably have the, like, the emotional and relational capacity to be a good friend to those two friends. So there's some seasons where other people will say, hey, you want to hang out? And I'm like, no. <laughs> it's like, no, I I'm don't. Sorry. <laughs> I don't want to hang out. <laughs> but just being okay saying, oh, no, we don't have to be good friends with everybody mm-hmm. but I, I really want to be a good friend to the few that I've already committed to being a good friend to absolutely I, I want to be able to to really invest there because if you're good friends with like six or seven people and you have a limited amount of time 
you have to ask the question, does anyone really know you deeper than surface mm-hmm. level? Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for the ability to talk with Laura today. I pray for her family. I pray for whatever's coming up next with her book and her music. And I pray for her job at the church, Lord, just that every avenue that she is in, Lord, I pray that you are there and that you are protecting her and guiding her and that you are just over every situation in her life, whether there's anxiety or comparison, no matter what's going on, Lord, just be over her life. And I pray for her ministry that you have given her and help her to go about the rest of this week with every positivity that you can give her, Lord, and help it to be a wonderful rest of the day for her. Amen. Amen.